Welcome to the show. My name is Harrison Miller. I'm here with co-host Seth Enzer. I apologize in advance if my voice uh, gives in and out. Um, as many of you know, I'm still riding high off Tennessee's victory over Alabama this week. And um, yeah, my, my voice is, was gone uh, the past few days. I just got it back this morning, luckily. So um, thank, thank goodness for that. But I, uh, it's been a great week, to say the least. So uh, still riding high on all those feelings. So um, nonetheless, I uh, got to get back to it. We got a lot of college football this weekend. That's uh, super exciting. Um, some very exciting games to look forward to. Seth, how are we doing? Good. I did. I want to congratulate you and all your buddies on the big win over this weekend, man. Uh, I had a great weekend. I got to watch my Tigers lose in four overtimes to East Carolina. But uh, I am very, very happy for you guys to see the the excitement and success that y'all are having. I know it's it's been a long time. And even though, you know, I don't care for Tennessee, I'm happy to see my boys happy. I appreciate that. We were we were definitely happy to say the least. I I couldn't believe it, and yeah, we we've been taking a lot of crap. Honestly, it's like, oh, you got a regular season win. You know, I don't really care. I'm that 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 was a lot more meaningful to UT fans than. Oh yeah, don't let anyone say that. Than people than people realize that that one. In my twenty years of my life, I don't really cognizant. Like I'm not cognizant of a the last time Alabama lost Tennessee in my life. You know, I was like eight or nine. And so I yeah, kind of remember. crazy I heard today is the last time that Tennessee beat Alabama was the year that I, the first iPhone was released. Yeah. That's, that's what's that's in the perspective. Absurd. That's absurd. So I, uh, that, that one was special for me. <laughs> um, and I know it was for everybody else there. So that was exciting, but nonetheless, more, more pandemonium is going to ensue. Um, I think I think I can stand firm in saying this. I we're finally getting back to I think college football coming back to the college football that used to be. And what I'm saying by that is like I, we still have Bama and you know Ohio State and Georgia who are powerhouses, but it's not. It doesn't feel like it's as heavy, heavily lopsided as it used mm-hmm. to be. And so I think even with the NIL and the rule changes and conference shakeups, there's been a lot of criticism and stuff. But in the grand scheme of things, I am happy with the results that have yielded um, in college football because we're seeing, you know, a lot more underdog wins and upsets that um, we're used to seeing. And, you know, that's normally like a college basketball thing where right. uh, the underdogs and the Cinderella stories win. But but I feel like there's a lot more going into that this year uh, with college football. So it, it's so fun. It's so exciting. Um, and that makes betting even 10 times more fun. Yeah. It makes it harder, but it's more fun. So um, uh, that that's something that I look forward to, to continue to happen as years go on. I'm ready to see new faces, new logos uh, at the top of the rankings and uh, in the college football playoffs. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, I digress. Uh, last week we introduced the model, um, and it actually went, uh, really well. The model went five and one last week during the weekday games. Um, and so we're going to continue rolling out weekday games, uh, as time goes on. We're not necessarily recommending, um, you take these bets because the model's still elementary and we're, we're doing a lot to build it out, uh, and hopefully strengthen and bolster its, uh, application to college football and teams uh, across the nation. And so, um, but we will still give you the picks. So follow at your own risk. Um, I've been following it personally and it's really, really helped me out. Um, but you know, I, it, it might be subject to, uh, to a couple of losses here and there, but um, I am going to share the, the graph that I made for the weekday games this week. So the model has App State covering. It has South Alabama covering, barely. Tulsa covering, barely. And then it has Virginia covering, plus three. And West, Western Kentucky, minus two and a half. So what you're looking at if you're watching the video cast is 
the value finder diagram. So the farther away that a team's logo is from that zero, that red line, the model says there's more value in it. And so as you can see, Virginia and Western Kentucky, the model really likes those picks to cover their spread. Um, so uh, that's that's something that we've been working on. We're, we're glad we ha uh, finally have a product to show you guys, but um, we'd love for you to follow along as we continue to uh, progress in this and hopefully we can build a fully functioning model to uh, help us win some money. Um, but that's that. Those were the picks this week. Uh, just to recap, App State minus 10, South Alabama minus three, Tulsa minus 13, Virginia plus three, Western Kentucky minus two and a half. That's what the model likes during next this week's slate of games. Now we get on to the fun stuff. The games, the most exciting games of college football week eight. I'm going to start us off with the one that is most exciting to me. Number 11, Oklahoma State versus number 20, Texas. Texas is minus six now. Um, it opened up at minus three, minus two and a half on some books. But um, this game, and I, I am so excited because Quinn Ewers is back. Texas looks really good and really, really good. Um, but Oklahoma State does too. They have a high they have a high octane offense. They did lose to TCU. TCU, I think, is also a really good team. Um, so not a bad loss. There's only a three point loss, um, but nonetheless, uh, Texas goes to Oklahoma State for this game. Yeah, it's in Oklahoma State, right? Yeah. What do you? How do you feel about this game? I don't know. Well, seeing that spread, so I'm assuming did the spread. Do you know if the spread jumps because of the public or if it, if something happened? I just don't, I, I don't understand why Texas is basically a touchdown favorite on the road. I mean, I get that Texas is really good. Having Ewers back is huge. But, mm -hmm. again, this Oklahoma State team is good. I just I see it being kind of weird being a touchdown underdog at home. Right, right. So what, what it looks like – so the line opened up at plus two and a half for Texas a long time ago. So I think the public started hammering on that early. Mm -hmm. um, and drove it up. And I think Vegas is starting to catch up with what uh, with what Texas can be with a fully healthy Quinn Ewers and the defensive unit that they have. Right. Um, now, right now, as it stands, everybody's actually favoring Oklahoma State to cover plus six. 62% mm -hmm. um, of the public is on Oklahoma State tickets uh, overall. So I'm not I'm not, it's hard to read between the lines um, with what those numbers say. Uh, but my personal opinion, I think that the public jumped on Texas early with some uncertainty of Quinn Ewers and mm -hmm. what he would be to this Texas team when he returned. But I think that now um, Vegas has seen enough and their models have seen enough to where they can comfortably rise, uh, raise that number up to, to minus six. Right. Um, you know, I, I do like Oklahoma State a lot. Uh, I, the, you know, their quarterback was banged up. He almost didn't play against TCU. Um, uh, Spencer was – he had a shoulder injury, and he was a very last-minute call. I was kind of sweating our picks because I picked Oklahoma State to cover plus three and a half. Mm -hmm. Barely got it. <laughs> um, and, and you had the over last week, which also hit. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was sweating that because – I. I had no idea if Oklahoma State's starting quarterback was even going to play. So um, he is a little banged up, but, you know, he, he seemed to do fine. They put up 40 points. Um, right. The problem is, is, like, they're facing a Texas team, with, and their defense is way better than what TCU's is going to be, and their offense is nearly the same with Quinn Ewers back. So um, this game is hard to tell because of a small sample size of what we've seen this Texas team Together, uh, you know, mainly the games that I've seen with the eye test have been with their backup QB. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's hard because in a game like this, you can't discredit uh, offenses like this. So um, I'm shying away from this game personally on my personal book. If I had, if I honestly had to choose, I'm I'm riding Texas minus six. Um, Interesting. I, I think Texas is extremely underrated. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they do have those two losses, but, and 
I'm not going to lie. I think they're one of the top 10 teams in the nation. They should have beat Bama. I genuinely think they should have beat Bama. Mm-hmm. That was their game to lose, and they went out and lost it. And you got to remember, yep. that was the game Ewers got hurt. So, you know, they did it with their back quarterback. I mean, Texas played so well, so yeah. well, and then just kind of pissed yeah. away. And, and speaking of that game, Texas should have won. And you know what? Bama has been bitching all week about the refs in the Tennessee game. Well, let's talk about the Texas game. Not too long ago, the refs bailed them out entirely. They had the targeting call or the roughing the passer and targeting call in the end call. zone. In the the end zone. Yeah, oh, my so gosh. What? Bad. Like. Like, come on, get, get your crimson glasses off, man. Yeah, the Texas I, I game was the, Texas, the Texas game was rigged. It was rigged at the ass, and and so they were, missed that call in the end zone. Blatant, blatant call. Mm-hmm. And then on the last call, there was like four holding penalties that weren't called. So, right, um, you know, Almost just look at just look it up on YouTube. You can go find it. I'm sure plenty of people have posted it, but um, nonetheless, Texas is a good team. I like I to give them. The credit here again. The only thing that isn't going for them is that it's at Oklahoma State. Um, this will be a big game, um, and so. But if I if I had to personally choose, I'm taking Oklahoma, or excuse me, I'm taking Texas minus six. Um, I really like the team that Texas has this year and what they're putting forth um, over the next few games. Right. All right. Next game on the slate, Alabama. Marches to Mississippi State. <laughs> Actually, excuse me. Mississippi State comes into Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. Alabama is minus 21 home favorites. Uh-huh. Now. Pray for State. I I have two I have varying opinions about this. Alabama and Nick Saban are going to absolutely beat the hell out of Mississippi State. And just take out all their anger on them. It just like it, it, this game won't even be close. But then I go to the other side and I look at some of these things. Alabama is now officially the most penalized team in college football. Over the last three games, they've had at least 10 penalties in total. That is absurd. More than Houston. And Houston is has, like, I feel like when I watch those games, they're throwing a flag every other place. So. Mm-hmm. I have never seen a Nick Saban team this undisciplined. That's exactly um, what I said, yeah. And so, like, it's extremely polarizing in a way because what, you know, any other year I'm picking Nick Saban in a bounce-back game mm-hmm. to come back to this and murder somebody. Like, no mercy. And so... On the flip side, let's talk about Mississippi State. Mississippi State just lost to Kentucky in a really ugly game. Um, they should have beat Kentucky uh, handily because Kentucky's offensive line is one of the worst in the leagues. I I can't really pick out why they lost. Uh, Kentucky's defense did a really, really good job of kind of containing Will Rogers, uh, but I think that was more coaching. They only, uh, Mississippi State only had 22 rushing yards, and so – when you don't like, when you don't utilize and have more balance in the offense and try and adjust your game plan mid-game, um, that's that's you're not going to win games from that. So, and, and we kind of see this pattern from Mike Leach every year, even in Texas Tech. You have a really good team, you start off really well, you get all of this hype, and then you fall in some games that you really should not fall to, LSU and now Kentucky. Um, but it's kind of like the Mike Leach pattern. And so they're not – I mean, they have every chance to be good. They have one of the best defenses in the SEC in terms of roster. Uh, obviously, like Will Rogers, he leads the entire SEC in career completions. You know, nobody in the SEC, nobody in SEC history has more completions than Will Rogers. And so – and he's on his way to break other records too. So – like I can't really wrap my mind around why the state team hasn't won more games and why they continue to fall to teams that they shouldn't fall to, um, you know, but they can do it. So they absolutely could cover this 21 and make it fun. Uh, but, you know, my heart's telling me Bama's pissed. Bryce Young is fully healthy and they're just going to absolutely shred the state team. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to have to go that way. Um, a big point that Saban made, 
is again, it's Alabama. You know, a lot of teams don't have the benefit of doubt. Like, if you lose a game, you have to go have everything go perfectly for you to get the playoffs if you're like a Pac-12 team or a Big 12 team. Everything that Bama does year in and year out is still on the table with the loss to Tennessee. You know, mm-hmm. you went out, you win the SEC championship, they're obviously in. So I think that what Saban said is going to be the message that he has given to his team all week. Get this, get that game out of your head. We lost. Can't do anything about it. Everything we want to accomplish this year is still on the table, and it, we got to go game by game. And the first game of this journey is Mississippi State at home. I think Bama's going to come fired out or fired up. I think Saban's going to have him going, and I think it's going to get ugly real quick. I agree. I agree. And that's why that's going to be one of my picks this week. Bama minus twenty one at home. Mm. Um, I think they. I think they cover the spread. I think it's a two net game for them. Honestly, I think Mississippi State will keep it competitive at first, but I think the second half, when you get into this uh, attrition war of attrition, um, Alabama's going to win that every single time. So I really like Bama minus twenty one. They. You know, Bama's offense with Bryce Young is unstoppable. There's just no way. Um, and and I think Bryce Young is slowly getting back to 100%, and I think he will really come out uh, slinging uh, against Mississippi State this next week. Um, he's so good. So is Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs is, is so raw. Um, I love watching him play. He's going to be the next Alvin Kamara in the NFL. Um, he runs so much like him. His I just want to say too, though, if if Bama didn't have Bryce Young in the Tennessee game, Tennessee would have won by thirty. Oh yeah, oh y'all yeah, would have won by thirty. Mm-hmm. I so, wish. I mean, the fact that he played and y'all still won again, major props to Tennessee. But it could have been bad if Bryce didn't right. play that game. Yeah, and you know what? Like as a fan, I'm glad Bryce played. I'm glad right, exactly. Healthy. I'd be the same exact way. Um, but yeah, it would have been kind of fun to see. But you want to be the best with their best on the field. Exactly, exactly, 100%. So speaking of the best, Alabama does everything well. Um, Offensive success rates, number 24 in the nation. That's even without Bryce Young. That's baked in with all of Milrow's stats, and we saw how bad Milrow did against Texas A&M. Uh, defensive success rate, not so much, 42 in the nation. And I think, honestly, you can attribute a lot of that to Tennessee putting up 52. Um, that Those numbers alone probably took them from, you know, like 20th in the nation or something all the way down to 42. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not really discrediting them there. I think they'll come out motivated. They do, like, number seventh in the nation and net points per drive. Um, super, super well, super well-rounded team. Um, Mississippi State, again, they have a good defense. They're number 33rd in the nation overall in defensive success rate. Offense is really good, too. 21st in the nation in offensive success rate. Now, their defensive success rate in the rushing game is not that good, 86th overall. And I think Alabama obviously can do whatever they want in terms of rushing or passing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to pick on this defense, run the clock out, and just kind of hammer them as much as they possibly can and maybe save Bryce Young's arm a little bit uh, in the process. Now, Vegas's numbers are interesting, and one of the reasons that led me to pick this, the public is not on Alabama. The public is on state. 60% of the public is on Mississippi State covering 21. And get this, the line opened at plus 21.5 for state. So it's not moving that much. There's no number being driven down. So even though the public is on Mississippi State, uh, Vegas ain't moving, man. And so I don't blame them. I think yeah, it's this a good could, sign for you, though, if you're on Bama. Yeah, I think this game could be honestly like a 45 to, you know, 17, 17 game. Like I, I think that Mississippi State is in trouble of not even breaking 20. So, mm-hmm. um. I'm, I'm rocking with that pick. I really like it. And we'll see if Alabama can tune it up. I like it. Yep. All right. Next big game. Clemson minus 14 against Syracuse. Syracuse played really well last week. Uh, they kind of surprised me. I picked against them and it didn't work out in my favor. Um, I didn't think that they were the team uh, that they truly are. How, how do you feel about this game? Uh, so this is actually going to be one of my official picks. 
Um, I'm taking Syracuse plus 14. Clemson, Clemson again, they're one of my playoff teams. They're really good. I think 14 points is too much against a Syracuse team that has continued to prove themselves. Again, I was the biggest hater at the beginning of the season. Remember, you were like, I like Syracuse. I was like, I hate this team. I think they're terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And they have continued to prove me wrong. And another underrated aspect of this team is their defense. And these big games against NC State, who has a great offense, they only put up nine points against them. And Syracuse, when their offense isn't clicking, their defense seems to be be playing their best. So I think – I know Clemson's gotten their offense going, but I think that Syracuse is going to be able to keep up with them in the scoring column, and I think it's going to be within 14. So Syracuse plus 14 is one of my official picks. Mm, that's a hot take. I love it. I love the hot stuff. Um, I, you know, the only thing that worries me is that going into Clemson. Um, Clemson is a hard place to play. And, I mean, it is. As much as oh, I don't I like Clemson, Dabo Sweeney, my least favorite coach of all time. I will say it. I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. He's what my least favorite coach. He's just so corny. He's so corny. I mean, he's almost as corny and annoying as Shane Beamer in South Carolina. Oh gosh. I, I just I, I can't stand the guy. I mean, you know, he's he's kind of a clown in my opinion. But Is it he's good at coaching. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And <laughs> and T. He sold T yeah, Higgins exactly. too, but I'm not holding any grudges. It's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay. I don't. I don't remember any of that stuff. <laughs> but he's still good at coaching football. So, um, Clemson has done really well, and I will throw out a, a metric out there for you guys too. Now, the team there are teams that have beaten ranked opponents. Now, if you go back and look at teams that they beat, so. Let me word this right. One, so the, they're t- the top teams in the nation have beaten teams, and if you look back at the schedule, only one of the opponents are ranked. And so the likes of Tennessee and um, Alabama and Georgia, and th- those are in that category, and some surprising ones too. But Clemson is the only FBS team that has beaten ranked two ranked teams and those ranked teams are still ranked. Interesting. So I know that's kind of hard to follow, but no, I thought yeah. that was interesting because of the volatility of college football. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were like, oh, your strength of schedule, strength of schedule, whatever. Um, and so, you know, Tennessee has beaten four ranked teams, but only looking back at it, only um, one, now two uh, with Bama um, on that is still ranked. So, uh, interesting food for thought there. Clemson Clemson has beaten some quality opponents. Um, still tilting about that FSU game last week. But I think Clemson's a good team. And I don't think we're even going to see – I don't think we've seen Clemson and what they can be. I still think they're tuning everything, um, adjusting, uh, and swapping out players to figure out their identity. And so um, I, I think we could see an even better Clemson team come playoff time. So – uh, their team to be reckoned with. And um, I may pivot off of you. I kind of favor Clemson in this, but man, we've slept on Syracuse before and it's coming mm-hmm. to bite us in the ass. So, um, I'm done sleeping on them. I'm done. <laughs> uh, they, Syracuse, they have the number 11th offensive success rate in the nation. Yes, number sir. five offensive pass rate uh, success rate. And then their defensive success rate, here's where it gets fun. They're number 51 in the nation overall. Okay. They're number fifth in the nation in defensive passing success rate. Uh-huh. But number 119th in rushing success rate. That's all right. On the defensive side. So Clemson may be able to run at will, but God damn it, they won't be able to throw the football. That's good. That's <laughs> so, good. Um, so that, that's exciting stuff for – for them, um, they, you know, Syracuse is really strong, uh, metrically speaking, but so is Clemson. Um, and so I think this is really when we'll see kind of like a, uh, a model, uh, versus eye test, um, type of evaluation and outcome in this game. So, um, excited for that one. This is a real test for Syracuse. Next game. The TCU Horned Frogs go to Kansas State. TCU's favored 
minus five. TCU beat Oklahoma State, which I thought was a really good team, mm-hmm. um, which they are. Oklahoma State is a really good team, but TCU has proved themselves to be worthy of a top 10 spot. They have one of the most explosive offenses in the country. Kansas State, one of the most explosive defenses in the country. So this game, we'll kind of figure out what's going to give. Um, I am leaning Kansas State. I'm actually going to lay an official pick with Kansas State plus five. Um, personally, because my model likes it and all the metrics that I look at kind of favor TCU's, I mean, uh, Kansas State on this side. Um, I think this is where we kind of see a falter of Kansas State's or TCU's defense not being able to hold up and Kansas State's uh, defense holding up for them. Um, but what do you think about this game? Uh, I don't know. TCU's at home, right? Um, let me double check. Pretty sure they are, and if that's the case. Yep, t- it's at TCU. Okay. Kansas State's been another surprise to me. I feel like they're always, like, under the radar good at football. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's something weird about Kansas State where I just feel like they're always at least decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year, they're, they're really good. They're looking good. Their offense is good. Um, I'm still – I don't know. It's something about TCU where I know they're good, but when I watch them, I'm not like, wow, this team's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, from the eye test, I would probably lean Kansas State. But like, I'm not going to touch this one. If your model likes Kansas State, I'm going to like Kansas State too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have, a like, a, a feel for this game, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, it's hard to. I mean, a lot of this stuff, too, comes back into looking at who the team's played, what has happened in those games. And so um, – both teams have impressive wins, but kind of evaluating those wins on like what happened uh, standpoint, um, mm-hmm. I think Kansas State kind of gives the favor uh, towards me. Max Duggan has been balling, um, but I, I think this will actually truly be the hardest defense uh, he's had to face up until this point. So um, I'm excited for that. We'll see if he's – uh, worthy of one of the top QBs, being labeled as one of the top QBs in the nation. Do you know who Kansas State lost to? Um, I do not. It's Tulane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. They only put up 10 uh, points against Tulane. Yeah, because uh, for some reason I thought Kansas State was undefeated. Uh, but I know they obviously beat Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. They had that one-point game against Iowa State. Um, yeah, Tulane so. took him down. Shout out to Tulane, who is now ranked, actually. They are ranked 25th in the country. And they take on my mm-hmm. Tigers this Saturday, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, yeah. So that's actually one of the games we had on the slate to discuss. Tulane is minus seven versus Memphis. Um, you know, you know better about this game. Give me a matchup preview. Let's hear it. You want my honest opinion? Give me, give me your, uh, give me your matchup preview okay. um, from a from an unbiased standpoint and with everything that you know, and then hit me with hit me with what you got from an unbiased from a biased standpoint Un- as a Tiger fan. Okay, okay, okay. So unbiased when you look at this this game on paper, our offenses are pretty much identical in terms of like score points per game, you know, total offense yardage on offense. But it is very obvious that Tulane has a much, much better defense than Memphis. Um, I think that also, I, th- I believe Tulane like shuts down in the air. Like you cannot throw on Tulane. So th- where their weakness is, is rushing, Memphis does not have a good rushing game. However, you know, we live in the air throwing downfield. So on paper, it's a bad matchup for Memphis. Um, I don't know. From an unbiased standpoint, I'd probably take Tulane minus seven. And so mm-hmm. as moving into my bias, I would take Tulane minus seven because Memphis sucks. We are not a good football team this year. Um, in back-to-back weeks, we have blown a 19-point lead in the fourth quarter to Houston. And then you come back to East Carolina where we jump out to 17 nothing, which that lead has quickly evaporated. It, even if Memphis jumped out to a – like twenty four to nothing lead against Tulane. Like I'm not even saying this like to be funny. Like that lead isn't safe. This Memphis team can't hold a lead. They they can't stop anyone. 
on on defense, and I just I love Memphis, but I would have a very tough time taking Memphis plus seven. Okay, understandable. I uh, looking at Vegas numbers, it's a sixty forty split, just about. Uh, where 60% is on Tulane, 40% is on Memphis to yeah. cover that plus seven. Now the line opened up at plus six uh, for Memphis, and now it's at plus seven, um, which is interesting because, uh, yeah, maybe not. Uh, you kind of makes sense, yeah. Yeah, a little bit, but typically it takes a little bit more than just 60-40, but um, – Do you have a model? Maybe. Did you do the model on this game at all? I did not, but I can – Afterwards, I would love to. I'd love to see that. Maybe post it on Twitter or something. Yeah. Now, I will say I am looking at a lot of the advanced metrics of these teams. And I, for one, am surprised this year in general because of the lack of offensive success on Memphis's side. 77th in the nation in offensive success rate overall. Whereas typically Memphis is always, always having some sort of explosive offense, whether it's, whether it's through a slew of running backs mm-hmm. or through the arm of some random QB that comes out of nowhere, ends up being a baller. Um, well, that's just what happens when you hire an offense or a head coach that is not offensive oriented. He, he has no idea right. what he's doing. And um, the, the one thing that breaks my heart with Memphis football is we no longer run that high tempo, high octane offense. It, it's right. we use up the, the, the play clock every time, snap it with like, you know, 10 to 5 seconds, where Memphis, it's kind of like Tennessee, like with Josh Heupel, at UC, what he did at UCF and what he's now doing at Tennessee is exactly what Mike Norvell and Fuente and everyone did with Memphis, where it's go, 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 don't give the defense any time to sit there and think about what's happening. You just keep running it or throwing it down their throat. Mm-hmm. And we have strayed away from that, and that's it's obvious. Yeah, like you said, look at the metrics. Like compared to, to two years ago, I mean, if you told a Memphis fan two years later that this team would be a slow-tempo offense, they wouldn't believe you. And it, it's just crazy right. to see that, that Silverfield has taken this route with, with the Memphis offense. Right. Yeah, and this is going to be a fun matchup because there's a lot of you know weird uh, pieces of the puzzle that align um, for these teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but – you know, Tulane, I mean, their offense honestly isn't that great either. They're actually worse than Memphis in terms of yeah. having their success rate. Um, but it's funny because I look at Memphis's metrics and it kind of tells a story of they don't capitalize on opportunities. They're 77th overall and third and fourth down success. So they can't convert on those big third and fourth downs. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of tells a story. But Tulane does. They're 12th in the nation on that that third and fourth down success. So um, in terms of defensively speaking, so um, that'll be an interesting matchup as Tulane's favored there. But if Memphis somehow figures out how to capitalize, you know, they might honestly be in a solid position to, to cover this spread um, and hopefully win for your sake. Also Uh, another, I think another stat I saw was Memphis has given up the most third and 10 plus first downs in the whole country. Like, if the other team is third and seventeen, it's it's going to be a first down. That's just how this yeah. year's going. Yeah, understand how that goes, man. I feel like Tennessee does that all the time. We, you know, third and short, we're we're unstoppable. You know, <laughs> give me a, give me a third and second, and we're stopping them every day. Right. Give me third and like give me third and twelve. Um, there's no way they're gonna they're gonna throw like a hitch or a skinny post over the middle mm-hmm. convert, and it's the ugh, there's nothing more infuriating. Oh, I know. I've seen it all season. Trust me. I understand. (laughs) So, well, that should be a fun matchup. Hopefully they win for your sake. Um, I'll be personally staying away because I will be in New Orleans for that. So we'll have to talk about that next week. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Next game we have on the slate. Number nine, UCLA at number 10, Oregon. This game is huge. Uh And so these games are always fun. UCLA, Oregon is always fun. I know. And what's fun, too, is UCLA has a Heisman candidate in quarterback DTR. Uh-huh. And I, I am I am excited to watch this game. I don't even think I'll have the opportunity to watch it live, but I know that I will definitely be going back, and it's going to be one of the games I rewatch mm-hmm. on YouTube. Now, Oregon, I think everybody remembers Oregon as being the team that got absolutely boat race by Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, understandably so, but now how much can we discredit them for that? 
it was the beginning of the season, new head coach, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator. Right. A lot of adjustments. You know, a lot of adjustments to be made and a lot of getting used to that team and their flow. I'm not saying that they would have, you know, beat Georgia or kept it even close, but, uh, you know, now in the season, maybe it's one or two touchdowns closer rather than um, the murder scene that we all saw in week one. Right. Uh, nonetheless, back to UCLA, Oregon. I hope this game is pure fireworks. You know, you have Chip Kelly versus Oregon, which Oregon doesn't even have like the offensive minded head coach. It's actually a defensive coach and Dan, but I am so excited about this game because we'll get, you know, a Heisman candidate versus Bombo Nix, but <laughs> <laughs> I won't even comment on Bo Nix other than he's done better this year than he has in the past years, but that's all I'll say. But the spread is now minus six for Oregon, and it is at Oregon, mm -hmm. so I'm not really sure how I feel about this game. I think it'll be offensive fireworks. But outside of that, it's quite polarizing. What do you think about this game? I really like UCLA plus six. Um, I know they're on the road. These games always are always fun. Always fun to watch. Uh, I remember last year's UCLA Oregon was super fun to watch. Um, but yeah, with with UCLA having a quarterback like that at the helm, I trust their offense. I, I love what their offense does week in and week out. Um, I don't know. Yeah, other than Oregon's goose egg at the beginning of the season, they've looked fine. I know they yeah. Bo Nix. I'm, I'm on the same page. I think I just don't understand how Bo Nix is a top D1 quarterback, like for a top program. I just don't get it. But um, Nobody does. <laughs> I just don't get it. But I like UCLA plus six. I'm not going to give an official pick. I'll probably stay away, just watch it for pure entertainment. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I would lean towards uh, UCLA plus six in this one. You know what the total is in this game? Uh, 84 or something? <laughs> Close. 70 and a half. <laughs> yeah, 70 right. and a half. And I, that I, is absurd. You, I would be surprised if it's towards over. I, I wouldn't either because let, let's talk about defense. UCLA, 89th in the, the nation in overall defensive success rate. Oregon, 102 in overall defensive Give success rate. Give me points, rate. baby. Bums. Yep. Bums. <laughs> My defense is cheeks, man. That's My just, goodness. That just makes it for a better game. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I agree. And with I, this is, you know, more of like a, I can see like a 40 to 35 game, you know, yeah, um, from either team. So uh, I am excited about this one too. This is going to be awesome. I, I, I can't wait to watch um, DTR. I don't even know how to say his full name. I, the quarterback I for UCLA. It's just. I call him DTR because that's his initials and that's the best way to reference him. Um, but man, offensive success rate for UCLA, sixth in the nation, two overall passing offensive success rate in the nation. Go over to Oregon, number two overall offensive success rate in the nation with the number six overall passing success rate in the nation. Mm -hmm. They have the number one offensive success rate in terms of rushing in the entire nation. Interesting. So, the team is going to run, and they're going to run hot. Now, you know, these metrics that we're talking about, oh, there's a lot that goes into it. There's the teams that they play, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and so success rate is, like, quantified by uh, positive yardage and uh, stuff like what happens on those plays, and all of that's kind of baked into each other. So, um, you know, when you say number two in the nation, you know, obviously there's better offenses in the nation. Right. But in terms of success rate, that's – you know, how they've been able to get it done against the opponents that they've played. So um, that's very kind of telling right there uh, in itself alone. Um, UCLA is horrible on defense on third and fourth down. Um, Oregon's really good. Even flip it over, same exact story. So we have two teams that mirror each other identically, you know. So this is like a pick em almost for me. Uh, mm -hmm. The only reason I think Oregon has the points as much as they do is because it's at Oregon. Right. Um, and what's crazy, this line opened up Oregon minus four and a half. It's Oregon minus six now. But looking at the public money, it's only 48% on Oregon, 52% on UCLA. So I don't know if there was more money initially 
on on Oregon, right. and then it changed. But you know, that's well, not really like, like telling. Well, I don't either, and so I like that kind of makes me want to go towards UCLA a little bit. And mm-hmm. so I think UCLA can cover that six. I think they'll keep it close. Um, it'll be a fun game. Nonetheless, I'm super excited for it. I am too. Pac-12, baby. All right. The next game. Now, this is the CBS game of the afternoon. Ole Miss goes into Death Valley to play LSU, um, who's who seemed to recover after their horrifying loss from Tennessee. Ole Miss – is one and a half um, dogs mm-hmm. in this game. That this screams trap game. This screams yes. This screams something is off. Something is weird about this game. And so Lane Kiffin um, has really impressed me with what he's been able to do with this team. I honestly, you know, I thought they would have a good team, but I thought after Matt Corral left, there's going to be kind of like this rebuilding phase where they kind of ramp up another QB. Um, he kind of just jumped right to it. Not that Jackson Dart's been anything impressive, but he's not bad, and he fits the system well, and he's winning games. So mm-hmm. um, Ole Miss also has the best rushing uh, offense in the SEC and probably one of them in the best in the nation. Um, now, LSU, you flip it over. Their team's good. They have a good roster in areas. They all obviously have their holes, but um, this is at Death Valley, you know, it is an afternoon game. Mm-hmm. Um, we might get Death Valley that we're used to, and I think we will. Uh, we'll get a, a rowdy Death Valley just because it's Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss, a top 10 team, a divisional opponent coming in. So um, I think, you know, that's kind of what's going on here. I think mm-hmm. the model, the Vegas model respects the home field advantage for LSU that much and the improvements that they've made. How do you feel about this game? So, I am going to give my second official pick and take Ole Miss plus one and a half. Again, Harrison and I talked about it a little before the stream. I know it screams trap game, and mm-hmm. I am taking the cheese. I am grabbing it, and I think that Ole Miss just has too much on the line to slip up and lose this game. I mean, they're seven and zero. You know, Bama's looming. You know, you keep winning, keep doing your thing. If they take down Bama. I mean, the West is theirs to lose. So I think they're, that Kiffin is going to have these guys ready to go. And, again, you, you said it. Playing at 2.30 in Death Valley is completely different than playing at 7 o'clock in Death Valley. So the, the fact that it's an afternoon game, I think, is a big difference. And I just I think Ole Miss has way too much on the line to lose, and I think they're going to come out ready. I got Ole Miss plus one and a half. Give, I want to take the money line, but just always take the points. Always take points, plus one and a half. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, gosh, this game's going to be so fun. And, and the reason I said I'm going to miss out on some of these games is because all my attention is going to be on this game this afternoon because, you know, like you said, you said this, uh, people don't realize Ole Miss could run away with the West, the SEC West, and go to the SEC Championship. Now, Personally, there's nothing more in this world that I would love to see than a Tennessee Lane Kiffin matchup in the SEC championship game. But, oh, yeah. you know, a, a lot's got to go right for Tennessee, a.k.a. beating Georgia and Kentucky for that to happen. So we got a long road ahead. But, man. Imagine yeah, a Tennessee Ole Miss, Ole Miss SEC championship. That would be nuts. And I think that crazy. would be so great for college, college be football. Because, not having Bama yeah, versus Georgia. Exactly. Exactly. So That would be fun. I would love that. Um, but back over to my unbiased opinion, Ole Miss is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have some weird holes in their their offense. I, Jackson Dart went 9 of 19 this past week mm-hmm. um, in their game against Auburn. They also gave up like 300-something rushing yards. Um, but circling back to Jackson Dart, 9 of 19, but – Three of those nine completions were touchdowns. Right. You talk about efficiency. Yeah, that's efficient so, right there. I mean, it, it like it, this is so incredibly awesome because you don't need to do a lot to be successful in Lane Kiffin's offense. Um, but you know, if we see a Jackson Dart that's more improved and more accurate and uh, more precise, then this Ole Miss runs away with this game. Now, LSU's defensive front is really, really strong. Still, a lot of people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they're kind of coming back on strong. I think Brian Kelly has them a little more motivated to finish off the season strong. And, you know, with teams like this, it's their Super Bowl. You know, when they have nothing else to play for, their Super Bowl is knocking off top 10 teams. Mm -hmm. And so LSU is going to come out motivated. Ole Miss has a lot to play for, and I like like that because I think that that can really come in handy for Ole Miss um, and their likes to win this game. But let's talk about the matchup. Ole Miss, number 18th overall offensive success rate, 10th overall in the nation in terms of rushing. Their rushing game, they had three running backs rush for 100 yards last week. So they can run the ball at will, it feels like. Um, they don't even need to pass the ball. But – I think that if they can keep the ball on the ground, continue to have that success on the ground, then they can really uh, control the game here. Uh, but LSU has a solid defense, 47th overall in defensive success rate. Um, you know, it's hard to like look at this and kind of draw and paint any picture, but Ole Miss is really good on third down. Uh, again, really great pushing defense. And they also have a really good defense. Um, Ole Miss has one of the best first and second down defenses in the nation. Um, so this matchup is going to be awesome because I think it's more of one of those things where it's like, all right, who's going to show up and do what they can do best? Mm-hmm. And so whoever does that will win this game. Um, I think it's more of a pick em, And I think the reason LSU is getting the points is because of home field advantage here. But uh, in my opinion, it should be a pick em. Now, 46% of the public is on LSU tickets. 54% are on Ole Miss. So um, that's fine. Nothing, No real pretty conclusions even. to be drawn there. Yeah, pretty even. Um, and nothing extraordinary uh, to take note of there. All right. Next game. Let's talk about Texas A&M in South Carolina. South Carolina's plus three home dogs. Jimbo Fisher, bum. I'm tired of him. Um, I'm tired of him consuming the sports media, the college football media. I'm, I'm tired of, you know, watching their football games. Um, but, you know, I had to put this game on because it's a fun line. South Carolina gets in plus three at home. Um, and, and, it, and I think South Carolina can actually win this game. Um, if, if Texas A&M did not perform the way they performed against Bama, I would 100% be taking South Carolina plus three. Um, I, I really like the fact that South Carolina had a confidence booster win against Kentucky. Um, their defense is solid. Offense, still weird, man. Still really, really weird. Uh, Spencer Rattler, I'm not a fan, but um, mm-hmm. he's improved, uh, to say the least, um, even though that's not saying much considering how he started. Yeah. Uh but anyways, how do you feel about this game? This game is gross. I don't have any interest in it. Uh, it is gross. Again, kind of like you said, A&M has just underperformed extremely this season. That Bama game was very, you know, unexpected and, um, you know, no Bryce Young, so you can't put Bama down too much. I don't know, man. I just don't know what I'm going to get week in, week out from Texas A&M. Obviously, mostly it's been bad, but. South Carolina had a, a nice win for their program against Kentucky. Um, you know, South, if, with South Carolina at home in front of their fans, I could definitely see them covering mm-hmm. three points at home. I could see them winning this game outright, kind of like what you said. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, don't really have I do too. If I was inclined to take a pick on this game, I think I'm taking South Carolina plus three. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I think I can get it on a lot of books at plus three and a half, which is big time considering absolutely yeah the diff- the difference in plus three plus three and a half in some of these games is momentous. Um, and so, looking at the public numbers, South Carolina opened up at plus four and a half. They're now plus three, plus three and a half. Fifty one percent of the public is on South Carolina, forty nine percent on Texas A&M. So we're at a near split. Mm-hmm. of um, bets here. And so I think, you know, this is a bet on talent or a bet on um, home team with more motivation. You know, it's one of those things where it's like A&M obviously had a lot higher aspirations coming into this year. They started the year off as a number six team in the nation. So um, I don't know if that motivation factor is still there for them. Um, especially considering they lost to Bama, and that was really the only uh, 
game they really had left to play for, all things considered. Obviously, you can still get bowl eligible, but South Carolina has a lot more to play for in this game. Um, and just speaking from that standpoint, uh, all numbers aside, I like South Carolina in this, and I think I would personally take South Carolina if I was going to pick from this game. Um, both of these teams are stinky overall. I mean, yeah. um, you know, Texas A&M is horrible on offense. And Jimbo, if he wants to keep his job, if he wants to improve, he needs to pass off play calling duties. He needs to hire somebody to come in and call the plays. It doesn't matter what he does, but he needs to quit. Um, he he just needs to understand that like he's probably a little washed in the play calling department and he can still be a head coach. A lot of some of the best head coaches don't actually do any sort of X's and O's, you know, they game manage and they go out there and make the gut calls that they need to make. But anyway, I digress. Um, you know, Texas A&M metrically speaking, they're going to be favored in this. And I think if they do cover the spread, it's going to be barely, but man, I do like South Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I were if I were going to lay a pick on this game, it's going to be South Carolina. I'm with you. All right. Next game, Penn State versus Minnesota. Penn State just got murdered by Michigan. And I don't even think the score was that telling of what Michigan did to Penn State. Um, you know, one thing that we got right last week was the Sean Clifford model. If Sean Clifford is on the team, they suck. That's the model, simple model. And so Sean that's Clifford one thing, effect. the Sean Clifford effect. So we got that right last week. Um, and, you know, a lot of people who maybe just look at the box score, they see it, that it was a bad win. But honestly, that game could have been like 60 to whatever Penn State had. Um, so this game is at Penn State. Uh, the line is now minus five on most books, give or take. Um, but man, Minnesota has been one of those teams to being kind of a home wrecker. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Penn State would still be motivated enough to win this game? Mm, I, I would hope so. But again, uh, you can lose motivation very quickly after a beatdown like that. Um, mm-hmm. Sean Clifford, again, I know I say it over and over, he is terrible. He has been in college for way too long. And as long as he's the quarterback of Penn State, I feel like anybody can beat them. Um, but, again, I'm not high on Minnesota, really, other than, you know, they had that great year. Was that two years ago, I think? But other than that, yeah. Minnesota yeah. football is never anything special. You know, I know this is more of your game. I know you wanted to talk about it. I don't really have anything to say. You know, I'm not just going to ramble on about nothing. Yeah, I wanted to talk about it because – Line opened up at plus six and a half for Minnesota, and now it's dropped to five and a half. But only forty percent of the public is on Minnesota, so reverse public isn't. Pub, yeah, public isn't driving this number down. Vegas is. Um, so I like Minnesota to cover. Okay. I, I really do. Um, you know, just looking at the numbers, I think that there Minnesota does a lot of things much better than Penn State does. Mm-hmm. Now, Penn State, I will give them the credit. They have the better roster, um, and, and obviously they have the home field advantage. Uh, so that's of a concern. But, you know, if I'm looking at this game on my book, I think I'm going to take Minnesota minus five and hope that if they do lose, it's going to be, you know, only by three or four points because right. I think this game's going to be close regardless. Um, it's going to be low scoring too. I really Gross. think it will be. Um, you know, it, this is going to be like a twenty-one to fourteen or a, a twenty to thirteen game. So um, I'd be on the lookout for that. The under, the over/under is forty-five and a half. So it's that's also gross. Uh, you can't really trust an under that low. Um, but I do think it'll be low scoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, uh, not a lot of points. Um, Penn State's offensive success rate, 97th in the nation overall. Not good. Um, defensive success rate, mid. Uh, Minnesota's offensive success rate, ninth overall in the nation. Solid. Surprisingly solid. Um, they do have that receiver who's like a stud. He rates out as PFF's number one overall receiver um, through the first half of college football. Uh, so 
they do have a sneaky good offense and a sneaky good defense. Um, a lot of that, you know, looking at the metrics is taking into account that they have played some sneaky teams, mm-hmm. um, but they, they're a very well-rounded team. So um, it'll be an interesting game for sure. I want to talk about this game next because it's a division game. It's fun. And it's talking about one of the top teams in the country. Number two, Ohio State plays Iowa. I, Ohio State is minus 28 right now. I'm going to double check that line. Cause I think it's 29 lines have been, last time I saw it. It might, have, it might have changed. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, 29 now, um, 28 and a half on, you know, FanDuel and uh, DK. So a uh, little bit of a slight <laughs> adjustment there. But <clears throat> uh, Iowa scores no points. They no. have 47 total points on the year, you know. And so uh, egregious, egregiously bad offense on their end. Um, but they do have a good defense. I'm excited because I, I, I'm curious if their defense can hold up. And I think this would be the game that Ohio State can prove that they like have that great offense. Because let's be honest here. Who has Ohio State played that's really been somebody that's going to stop that offense? I agree. Toledo, <laughs> Michigan State, who's been Cheeks? I mean, come on, give me a break. Ohio State, one thing as a Tennessee fan, one thing I've seen absolutely populate my Twitter is – Oh, Ohio State has a way better offense in Tennessee. They like, come on, Tennessee's a bunch of bums. Like, what? I mean, Ohio State, man, I understand it. Like, I will give you the, the respect that you deserve. You have a good offense. CJ Stroud is for sure a Heisman candidate, but let's not go be making this bold accusations before you play a, a real team, a real FBS team. I mean, this is absurd. Um, and so I, I'm excited to watch this game because after this game, I think I'll finally be able to make a conclusion on this offense and what they can do. I do think they are the truth because I think they have a receiving core that can all be starters in the NFL as we speak. Um, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Jackson Najigba, I think all of them are super, super talented. And I think they could, you know, somebody made this joke, but I think it's kind of true. I think those two receivers are better than the top two receivers for the Chicago Bears or, you know, another bum team like that. Like, I honestly can't even argue against it. Mm -hmm. I really can't. So um, I'm excited to watch this because I think this will allow me to draw a conclusion about Ohio State that I have not yet been able to do so. What do you think? Dude, well, the problem is if Ohio State scores – 35 or 38 points, they've covered the spread. I was yeah. not going to they, – they, like you said, I mean, I have never seen a more frustrating offense, I, I think, in the entire existence that I've lived on this planet. Watching Iowa's offense literally makes my eyes bleed. Like, I, I can't express how much I hate watching them. So my gut instinct would be to take Ohio State minus 29. I know Iowa's defense is what anchors them and keeps them in games. But and I know you were kind of just you know rambling off on Ohio State's offense. I think it's elite. I'm not going to sit yeah, here and don't, say it's don't, than don't get me wrong. No, no, no. I'm with you. I'm on the same page. Saying it's yeah. better than Tennessee's is ignorant when we just watched Tennessee put up 52 on Alabama. So again, I am on the boat that Ohio State's offense is really good, but I'm not going to make any of those stupid those stupid claims. But the problem is, if Ohio State's offense gets going for Iowa or against mm-hmm. Iowa, it's that spread can be covered very easily and very quickly. Right. I agree. And so, you know, I'm what I'm saying, like I'm, if I'm on my book, I'm probably taking Ohio state because here's the thing. Ohio state's defense is also really, really mm-hmm. good. It's one of the best in the big 10. Right. Um, and that's why I think they're actually going to beat Michigan down the line. Mm-hmm. Michigan may have just as good of an offense, but they do not have just as good of a defense as Ohio state. And so, like you said, Ohio State could score 29 points and cover the spread, exactly, I feel like. Right. You know, because this game, if you told me it's going to be 29 to 0 or Iowa only scores three points, I believe you. What's that over-under like, set at? What's that over-under set at? 49. Okay, so they have Ohio State winning 46 to 3, basically. I Pretty feel like much. with that over-under, you're literally saying, like Vegas is saying, I think Ohio State's going to cover. 
because right. if it's set at 29 and the over-unders, what would you say? It's at 49. 49. Do you think Iowa could score 23 points? Basically? No, there's no way. Yeah, they, I don't think so either. 23 points, that's half of the total points that they've scored all year. That's what and I'm you saying. think they're going to you think that like people think they're going to do that? No. Like, one of the best defenses in the country, or at least in the Big Ten. No. I mean, oh my gosh! Give me Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, I. That's why I'm saying like I agree with you, and yeah. I do think Ohio State is one of the most elite of the elite. I'm just saying Ohio State fans are annoying because they make these bold claims. A Tennessee Ohio State and game would be pretty fun nuts. I, that would be nuts. Um, you know, they do have the edge in defense. I will say, I got to give Ohio State respect, which respect is due. Their defense is awesome, um, and I think you know that's. I know this game's way further down the line, but my prediction now is I think Ohio State's going to win against Michigan and win handily. Um, it'll be a fun game, nonetheless. But Ohio State solid team. Last game I wanted to talk about: Cincy versus SMU. I think you had something in the works for this game. Uh, tell me what you got. Uh, I my last official pick, pick three, is going to Cincinnati minus three. Um, I'm a big, you know, I'm a Memphis fan, so I'm big into the American Athletic Conference. Uh, watch it week in and week out, see what the fellow conference teams are doing. Um, SMU, I was high on them at the beginning of the season. Um, I really thought this team could be special and be one of our dark horse, you know, New Year's Day Bowl game type teams. And, you know, they came out, they beat North Texas 48-10. to 10. Their offense looked good as usual. And they just kind of hit a wall to where – they're still scoring points, but their defense has just fallen over. Their offense mm-hmm. it doesn't look the same as it as it did at the beginning of the season and as last year. Cincinnati's the usual, or I shouldn't say usual Cincinnati, but they're good. I mean, Cincinnati the last several years has been good. They're doing very similar things to what they've been doing. They are on the road, which is, you know, a little sketchy, especially playing on the road at SMU. You know, SMU has a really good home record. But Cincinnati's ranked. They have they. I don't even know if they've lost a game yet. Do you know if they've lost a game? So. Well, see, they I haven't lost a game, so. so they have a lot to play for in terms of a possible New Year's Day bowl. You know, winning out, winning the American Athletic Conference. Um, I really like Cincinnati in the spot. You know, Luke Fickle's an amazing coach. I think he's going to have them ready to go. And uh, I just I don't see SMU keeping it within three, even at home. Nice. Not, I. I'm down on SMU too. I've actually won a couple bets picking against them. Mm-hmm. Um, one particularly, the model had maybe covering uh, last week. And SMU had to um, score so, like 20 unanswered to win that game. Like they yeah, were struggling so, against Navy. I don't know. I, I'm actually kind of upset with myself. Um, I, I took Navy money line because the model oh. had them winning so heavily. And they should have. Uh, they should have. Yeah. Um, so. I, I took money line. I should have took the dang points, man. I was a stupid move. Stupid and Navy move, is but, awful. They are yeah. horrendous. Memphis. Uh, what, what happened? What happened is I was riding hot on some of the earlier picks, and then I was like, okay, I'm just gonna have a little fun. I'm gonna lay. I'm gonna lay a unit down. This is gonna be awesome. Navy's gonna win. I'm gonna be riding high, man. You sell on this model no. before you know it. I know. I know. I know. I'm just again disclaimer for the model. It's still elementary. Still has a lot to. Um, a lot to be worked on and stuff, but so far so good. Um, run, ride it at your own risk, but I will throw out the results uh, for the sake of having fun and letting you guys follow. It's been great um, so far. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, nonetheless, back to Cincinnati SMU. I, I like the Cincinnati team. Actually, now that I think about it, you know who they lost to? Who? Arkansas. They did. Uh, first mm-hmm. or second game of the year? Mm-hmm. And if if they had better QB play, they would have beaten Arkansas too. And he settled in. I, he mm-hmm. he obviously in that game was bad. Their offense looked bad, mm-hmm. but he has he settled in, and Cincinnati has started to look like the Cincinnati of late. And so yeah, that that is right. They did lose to Arkansas. Yeah, so they had that one loss, but that's a respectable loss in all things considered, mm-hmm. uh, especially at the beginning of the year with a new QB. Um, Cincinnati's a lot better on paper, man. I'll tell you that. Uh, their defense is really, really solid. It's always, um, yeah. SMU's not. SMU's offense isn't even that solid. And, you know, one thing that people forget that happened just a couple of weeks ago, SMU is one of the first teams 
where some of this NIL transfer portal stuff has kind of come back and affected them in a negative way. They had a significant amount of starters um, opt out of the season for the transfer portal portal of for next season. Um, and so they're lacking a lot of the talent that they expected to have at this point in the season. Uh, and so that's, a, that's an intriguing thing going on because I, it's, you know, there's a lot of teams who are benefiting off transfer portal and the NIL, and that's, what's getting a lot of this coverage, but SMU is kind of getting screwed because a lot of players just sort of like have nothing to play for, Right. you know, they know they're going to go to another school. They probably already talked to teams and locked in deals with other teams. Why risk injury? Why play for a coach? They don't want to play for anymore. They're just going to sit out and that's what they've done. Um, so there, there was a fun article on Twitter. Um, I encourage everybody to go find that that kind of dives into that and what's going on. But that is a factor in this game. So SMU won't be full strength. Um, and I think it's getting overlooked uh, as well, especially in these models and stuff. But man, dude, SMU, not good. No. Really not good in a lot of different uh, facets. The only thing they kind of do well is they pass it uh, relatively well. But again, I think that's because sometimes they're playing down and they need to speed it up and air it out a little bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, on the contrary, I do like Cincinnati's defense. They're really, really good against the passing game, uh, especially in that conference. So um, I really like them. Uh, it's 64-36 split on Vegas uh, in terms of what the money is on. Cincinnati has a 64%. Again, nothing too crazy there. They only really need to get worried with uh, differences that are like 70-30 and, and more. Mm -hmm. So, um but yeah, with that said, man, that wraps up the slate that I wanted to talk about. Um, super excited for this weekend. I hope we land some more bets. Uh, follow our Twitter account to stay up to speed. We're going to be dropping more of our uh, picks from the model, some more graphics, uh, as well as last minute adjustments. Um, you can also find our spreadsheet to all of our picks to see how we've done in the past, as well as see how the model's done in the past. So um, follow follow that. Please give us a five-star review or rating if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. That would mean a whole lot. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening in. And we will be here tomorrow for our NFL show. Um, if not, we will talk to you guys next week. Uh, best of luck in the books. Have a great time. Later.